0: She was up at five every morning and she'd have us all breakfasted. She taught us all to ride, she taught us all to cook, taught us to do everything. Mum was like a dynamo.
1: But I always liked to make sure that everybody was having a fair go, you know. It seemed to me some of the people weren't doing, doing the thing right thing, and the others coped it, so I used to stick up for them and try and get them somewhere. Not always liked very much. <laughs>
2: I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator at the Community Information Centre in Townsville, and in today's episode of Brave, I'm sitting down with Rosie Archer, a well-known woman in the Winton community. At almost 100 years old, Rosie talked me through some of the milestone moments in her life. Rosie still lives independently at home, so I also took the opportunity to catch up with her daughter, Adele, to discuss what it takes for this to happen in a remote town with limited access to aged care services. The Community Information Centre acknowledges the Koa, Woogaroogaba and Bindal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded and produced. Let's get started, Rosie. Is it okay if I disclose your age?
1: Oh, well, on Saturday I'll be 95.
2: 95 years of age. What was growing up in Winton? Like for you?
1: Oh well, I was never in Winton. I was out on the property, which was about oh, 104 and four kilometres out, and no, well, no real telephone. You had to had a party one. The posts were always getting knocked down by animals or something. You go and fix it up and start again. And, and uh, well, my mother, my mother taught me, my, me and my brother school. We had correspondence and then went away to boarding school. And I went to boarding school in Charters Towers. And, well, I went there till I, uh, the, when the war came on, it, we were all moved out of town, out of Charters Towers, and we were, went to a place called Richmond, and lived in an old hotel that nobody was using for, until the war was over, because we were too close to the aerodrome. that for, They didn't want to be anybody too close in case they got bombed by somebody. And after that I went home for a while and then my mother who came from Sydney wanted me to see, see what, you know, other, the other part of the world. So she sent me off to Sydney and I was there for a couple of years. But I was awfully pleased to go home again. I didn't want to be in the city.
2: <laughs> the country kept calling you back, did it?
1: Oh, well, I, I liked riding horses and all that sort of stuff. I did a lot of work with my father and mustering and so on. And I used to write in the shows and all that sort of stuff.
2: What but kind I, of man was your father?
1: A very nice one. <laughs> but, she, but he came from he came from Melbourne or somewhere originally. I don't know much about him because he, he didn't say much. My mother, she came from Sydney and she was the youngest of 10. And, and, and things went wrong when the father died, so the girls and boys all had to go to work. A couple of my uncles had been in the war and they gave them so much land to start going. And my mother's name was in that, on that too. And that's when she met my father out there. You've also mentioned the war. That's
2: obviously been a big impact on your life very early on.
1: It was that way that I I went home from school and I went and helped my father on the property while the war was on. But there was always plenty of work on the property. You see, you had to all the mustering and everything.
2: And what other stories do you have from growing up in the Depression?
1: Well, it really didn't affect me much because I just lived out in the country and my mother was a person who lived in Sydney and, and she had to learn how to make bread and her, all that sort of stuff, you know. She was wonderful. <laughs>
2: were they things that she passed down to you, that you were able to pass down to your children?
1: Oh, well, I suppose some things, cooking. <laughs> She used to do lots of handwork to my mother. I was more interested in going out in the paddock and riding the horse than, you know, sitting and sewing, although I think I did do a bit of knitting.
2: Um, how many children did you have, Rosie? Six. And did they also all go to um, boarding, boarding school?
1: Board, yes, well, they went to boarding school down south. St Michael's was it, you had, Dale? St Hilda's and uh, what's the boys' school? Southport school. They all went to the... And some of them came home and some of them went off doing other things. So they got sort of all got married or unmarried or. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And Adele, we've got Adele here in the room. What was growing up um, in your household like with your mum and dad?
0: Well, mum was like a dynamo. She was up at five every morning and she'd have us all breakfasted and then all shuffled off outside. We all had our chores to do and she taught us all to ride, she taught us all to cook, taught us to do everything. And then we all did school at home every year. We'd have a governess. And then when we all went off to boarding school, it must have been really, really lonely for her.
2: What I- was that like, Rosie, when all the children went off to boarding school and all of a sudden your life went from being so routine and organised with all these children and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're all at boarding school? What was that like?
1: Well, I mean, by the time they, they'd all been been to something, to come home and go... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can distinctly remember we used to catch the bus to boarding school out on this really lonely dirt road between Winton and Kainuna and I can remember seeing off my sister and my brother on the bus and we're opening the gate and I'm crying and mum goes, what are you crying for? I'm crying because I can't go away to school and she's (laughs) crying because the kids have gone away to school. It was just like,
1: it was comedy. We did have a school there at the the place for a while.
0: Oh, yeah, my dad organised for a little community school and all the neighbours had come. And my younger sister and I did our last few years of primary school at a little 16-student state school. It was really good because it it taught us to interact a little bit better so that when we went to boarding school we weren't quite so isolated.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that's a really good point to make, isn't it? Because the children who are schooled at home and then around no socialisation or um, interacting with other people their age <coughs> then all of a sudden get put into boarding school with no support mm. around
0: that as to etiquette yeah. and how to interact with people. Yeah, the, so- the socialising. But um, it's a lot better now. They have computers, they have special isolated um, camp days and that's a lot more social. Ours was really isolated. Our, our class lessons came in the mail once a week and we had a radio to talk to, like School of the Air. But it was good. We learned to read and write. And Mum and Dad made sure we had a good education. And it's good. I think education is very important. Absolutely.
2: Rosie, let's talk a bit about you. You've mentioned growing up and your love of horses. What did you love about horses?
1: Well, I just loved horses. I used to ride them when I was a child. But sometimes we think like i got a younger one that was a bit a bit cheeky and used to get about um, half a mile away from the house and pretend it was lame. And then then I got more sophisticated horses and I was to ride in the show. And eventually when I was too old to do that, I used to be a steward at showtime. It's just that I'd been there so long. I'd been a member and been riding in it or whatever. And, And when I was no longer doing that, I used to go and present prizes and things like that and I was I was secretary for lots of people in town once I came to live near the town I used to do secretarial jobs It's unpaid ones you know societies and all that sort of thing the CWA was the CWA money. that's yeah. right so
2: yeah you were you were secretary for the CWA
1: for uh, many years because for... nobody wanted the job and I was quite happy I didn't want to be the boss or anything I just do the work you know but uh, then and then we almost closed the CWA down because nobody used it to, and then the, some of the younger people out of town, they suddenly decided they'd get into it. And now it's going really well.
2: That's amazing because the CWA Country Women's Association yeah. plays an important role in a lot of communities all over Australia.
1: Yes, yeah, really are, yeah.
2: Yeah. You and your husband, John, did you run a cattle property?
1: We, he helped me buy a property. We had the one we lived on and it was, well, I don't know how many, 120 miles away.
2: Oh, so your husband had a sheep property and you had cattle?
1: Yeah, it, was, it wasn't any good for sheep over there, too many dingoes and things. <laughs> I tell you what, it was hard work when we had to drive all that way and then muster the cattle. It, en- it ended up be quite su- successful, but it got to the stage when I couldn't keep on going over there, 120 miles a long way. And when we were all having terrible broke times and my husband took on a mail run so we'd have some money, you know, the people made him sell all his cattle and everything that, that he owed money to. But he came out on top eventually.
2: Yeah, so you've been an independent woman right from the get-go.
1: What? what one lady I knew pretty well said to me, you don't have a nervous breakdown. I said, I haven't got time.
2: <laughs> Where do you think you got your independence? You just did and what you did,
1: you know. Yeah. And we managed
2: during your time um, in your working career, you were a counsellor for a couple of terms, is that right?
1: I was there for, for a couple of seasons, yes.
2: How did that go for you? What What got you into it, first of all?
1: It wasn't anything special on the council, but I always liked to make sure that everybody was having a fair go, you know. I wasn't very popular sometimes <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't like what they were doing. <laughs> However, I quite enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What was your biggest um, achievement while you were sitting on council?
1: I don't know that I achieved anything much except that I did look after the people that didn't seem to be getting a fair go to me. Just people that seemed to me to be... Some of the people weren't doing, doing the thing right thing and the others copped it, so I used to stick up for them and try and get them somewhere. Not always successful. Not always liked very much. <laughs>
2: So you moved to Winton in two thousand, so you've been here for over twenty years. Yes. Um why Winton and what's keeping you here?
1: Oh well well, I know everybody and I don't want to go and live in the city. <laughs> we can get everything there. Have to go away occasionally.
2: Um and a couple of years ago you had an accident, is that right?
1: Yeah, so in the middle of the night I turned around too quickly and I broke my hip up here. And Dill was there and uh, one of my sons there and another friend. They got the ambulance in and uh, he, he settled, sorted me out and they took me to the hospital and then they had to wait for the flying doctor to take me to Townsville.
2: From the time of when you fell to getting on a plane to the Royal Flying Doctors to the hospital. How long did that take?
1: Well, I was in the in the Townsville hospital for a fortnight. And then the flying doctor was had a job on, so he said he'd take me home to Witten. so I had a had a week in the Witten Hospital. And then I had friend friends of the girls and Dell would look after me until or till I could manage what my, or or I manage walking about and everything. Mm-hmm. And Dell she looked after me for a long
2: time. Yeah. And I, I think it's living in a remote community as you do in Winton, you don't have access to the hospital care that you needed straight away. So you you had to wait for that flight that was, and the ambulance to likely, come. It
1: would be good if you had the flying doctor. So
2: know. they play a really important role
1: yes, they, they in did, the community, did, don't they? They did it all for nothing, you know. You know, they've got to be doctor for everything sort of Sometimes they have a nurse with them. But uh, or anyway, and they always take you to the public hospital, but they're pretty good there. One special girl was getting, getting me walking again, and she was quite happy about it. And then they sent me home, and I had to, well, I Dell there, and I had a friend of hers, and she was a very, very well-trained nurse. So she got me walking properly and all that sort of stuff. One of the family was always looking after me, mm. mostly Dale.
2: That's why we have our children, I think. Someone told me many years ago that um, your children are like your um, you're super and um, so when you retire, it, it, they will look after you. By the sounds of it, you've got some really amazing children
1: who are doing that for you oh, right they've now. They've been pretty good. <laughs> they have. They lived away but, but they come down again, you know. And now I've got my eldest daughter, Mary... She's uh, been looking after me lately. We just live in the same house, sort of thing.
2: Yeah. So we went out to your property the other day and visited you at your house, and it's a beautiful property with a beautiful um, backdrop looking at the land.
1: It was. That's a good, good place to be. Sit on the veranda and watch. I'm glad I did. So I bought it just out of town. I didn't want to live in town, and this property was going up.
2: Yeah. So you just you like the land. You like being a little bit out of town, but just close enough.
1: We're well, close enough. Once when my husband wasn't too good. Then he had a bad heart, and he did, rid- and she would die after we'd been there for a while. But but he did have a few years there, and that you know when he was in the hospital, I could go and see him every day.
2: Mm. You had quite a few people out there the other day. It's got a little community out there with your with your daughter and. And I dare say you'd get a few visitors. But I also noticed you've got your little motorised scooter out there. Yes, well, I do
1: go out on that. But it's very, when it's windy and, and very hot, I don't go. But it takes me about a quarter of an hour to get into the main street.
2: Yeah, because there is still a lot of independent living in the country that I've noticed. And not because of, not facilities, but because by choice and community and family that are around them. How do you feel about that, Rosie? Do you feel staying at home as long as you can, rather yeah. than moving into a aged care Definitely, facility, yeah. is better for you?
1: I, I realise eventually it'll happen, but my daughter is looking after me at the moment. She does all the cooking and things like that, and I always wear a thing around my neck, so if I should fall, that there's people named to come and pick me up and sort me out.
2: Perfect. So staying in your home is important for you
1: mm, and yeah. and
2: being as independent for as long as you can
1: mm.
2: is, is important.
1: Well, I more or less had a few busters and things and I need to be sure there was somebody there and I hope I stay like that for a good while. Mm.
2: Are there any services or supports that you get to use that come into the home that help you as well outside of family?
1: Oh, well, you can... The council have a have a business and they come and do cleaning for you or whatever you want. I think it depends on how much you need somebody to help you.
2: Yeah, because that's still really important to have those types of services, um, even though you're regional, but to know that there is some help mm. um, here that you can access. I know, if,
1: if, if I couldn't manage any more, they definitely would find a place for me. Yeah. They've got this, oh, I'm teenager, Gardens, that, that's where people live and then the next thing is a hospital. They've got a special room there for people that just in there because they can't look out themselves and nobody else can. Mm. And uh, th- then they're trying to build another thing in between. So there's few, quite a few people working on it and trying to get money. That'll be, I don't know, mightn't be in my time, but I hope, so, I hope somebody gets used to it.
2: Mm. And, Dale, we were just talking about living remotely and... Living independently at home, and your mum Rosie is very
0: keen for that and and you are as well as her daughter. Why is that? Well I think I think that people are much happier when they're in the home environment. They can see their friends, they drink the same water, the same climate, and it's just I've been to old people's homes in the cities and they're so lonely and here, if well, we've worked it out with at mum's place, we've got ramps. We've got a house next door. Between the six children, we all take turns to come and stay with her, and it, it it's it's a happy life for mum. It's really important, and and people's mental well being is much better because they're at home, and they don't have to worry about how long can I stay at home, because the facilities nowadays people focusing on aged care much better and it's just so much better for the elderly really
2: Mm. it keeps the independence for them there as well and their sense of belonging and their sense of being as well but and like you said there's six of you to go around and and Mm. support your mum but um what other services do you really make sure that you're utilizing Mm. and and have access to in Winton
0: Well, in Winton, um, they're pretty good. They've got, like, the neighbourhood centre. I'm not sure how it's funded, whether it's through the council or not, but they have, like, a basic cleaning service that comes around once a week or more if you need it. They have Meals on Wheels, which is all voluntary and everybody takes part in it. And they also have this other new one where they come out just to check that you're going okay. And in my mum's case, they come out and play Scrabble with her. And just things like that, and pop out to have a chat, and and it and it's really good because for the main carer, it gives them a chance maybe to go to the hairdresser or do something or go, and also for mum it gives a chance for her to socialise, without actually having to get dressed, go downtown, and sit in an uncomfortable chair, mm. and um, that that's a really good service, and the hospital has a respite a, a carers, a centre for people. I think they call it respite, so that if people who are caring for their elderly relations, if they have to go away um or an emergency happens, they can take take like mum can go to the hospital and stay there for a few days and be cared for until she can come back home. Mm-hmm. and And I think it's really wonderful because so often when i grew grew up, I saw people retiring from the country and going to, like, Harvey Bay, the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast, and they were just unhappy because their whole life changed. And and the big thing I find in the outback is the big wide open spaces and that's what a lot of people really miss when they get put into a nursing home or um, have to move Because I, I can
2: imagine claustrophobic would, would come into play, like... For us yesterday, we sat there and watched the sunset and um, the beautiful scenery that the outback was, was showing us. And I can imagine going back home to my little 600-square-metre block <laughs> and my little tiny backyard and, and staring at yeah. a picket fence and I could totally see where that would become
0: come. Yeah. It's okay if you're used to that. But I, I remember when my father had to move into the hospital... You know, his biggest joy was to be able to see this gum tree outside with a bird in it, you know. But when they moved, when Mum and Dad moved into town, they said, oh, we love this. We can sit on our veranda and see the lights of the city. And they could get the newspaper, not a week old. You know, they could buy fresh bread every day. They didn't have to have a huge storeroom and a freezer and, you know, everything was on tap. And it was really good for Mum and Dad... And they got to see their friends without having to do a a 100-kilometre round trip Mm. and friends could go and visit them. So, yeah, and I I think that small country towns, it's it's really important to have aged care systems put in. Very important. Absolutely.
2: I'll finish off with um, Rosie being in this community for so long Where's your gaps in services and supports in this community and what do you think this community needs to continue thriving?
1: They seem to be doing a pretty good job to me. There's always plenty of things for you to do, in the entertainments and all that if you want to be involved in it. You know, they do look after the people. There's a a special area in the hospital that people that aren't able to look after themselves, it's like I think it's enough for six people If they have more, they have to find somewhere else to go. But they do live their their life out there, and that's about it.
2: Mm. How do you want people to remember you?
1: Mm, Never thought of that. I thought I wasn't too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing special. Sometimes I spoke up about things that they didn't agree with, That that didn't matter. We all had to, had to have your ideas.
2: You sound like a very strong, strong woman.
1: <laughs> yes. Who's
2: opinionated.
1: <laughs> well, <I'd rather laughs>
2: and you're okay with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I try not to be too annoying.
2: <laughs> Rosie, Adele, thank you for joining me this morning. Thank you for sharing your story with us,
1: Rosie. <laughs> I hope it was sort of useful because I'm not very good at this sort of thing.
2: You're lovely. You're great at it. You're fantastic. <laughs> I think you've still got a lot to give, so you're going to be here for quite a while.
1: Yeah, I hope so.
2: Brave is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.